Anyone's Game podcast. Following women's football. What? Just... Oh, dearie me. That pretty much sums up how we're all feeling. Unfortunately, Scotland's 3-3 draw with Argentina means they are no longer in the World Cup. Myself, Andrew Southwick, Chris Marshall and Stuart Mitchell pick the bones over Scotland's World Cup exit. I, I don't know how to start. I'd, I'd actually <laughs> written, because we were 3 now up, so I wrote an intro and I'd written that the, the title of the podcast was going to be God Bless You, Lee Alexander, after you saved the penalty. Yeah. And then it had Scotland are four games away now from winning the World Cup after hammering, hammering Argentina. <laughs> it's just... Oh. No, nobody can deny you that, though, because it was perfect at the time. Like, and it, you know, it could have been even more. Like, you could have... Oh, what? Like, even the end, though, I mean, just like... You're like, what, is it full-time? We don't know. The players are going over. The fans don't know. Everyone's sitting in the seat. It was just an absolute shambles. The referee lost it. See the last... Oh, absolutely. The minute, the minute with that penalty appeal happened, she just lost... She lost the plot completely. She completely... Even even to the extent where she didn't properly blow up for full-time. I mean... <laughs> how do we start? I mean, just absolute deflation. But, I mean... So we're going to talk about the referee, we're going to talk about the penalty, VAR, but Scotland should not have never been in that position in the first place. Scotland should not have been at 3-2 with three minutes to go. No, we shouldn't have been. Uh, not at all. We were uh, we were really comfortable. We started started as we intended. Argentina came into it for a little bit, but then we got the goal um, just after Argentina hit the crossbar. And then kind of from there we dominated and then we were 3-0 up. And then we, we we fell asleep a little bit, let's be honest. Jen Beatty came charging it, didn't get it, and it mean that we were a bit exposed at the back. Kirsty Smith had to come into cover, which uh, left Mendez on the on the far side, and she, she took her goal really well. And then from there, yeah, it was... It's, it's still a bit hard to articulate properly at the moment. I think it's probably fair for all of you of us to say. It's a fact, though, I mean, up until, up until Argentina scored... Scotland were dominant. I mean, Scotland passed the ball better than Argentina. They had, up until that point, defended well. Argentina were resorting to the whole game, really, long balls. Now, I don't know if that was by design. Maybe they saw it as a weakness. But when it didn't work, they didn't really seem to have a plan B. And, and Scotland, at that point, I actually thought to myself, this is almost a bit of a stroll for Scotland. Yeah, um, you know, first half, the, the intent was there right from the beginning with Cuthbert and we are so high up and in the box, Scott Booth mentioned it in commentary and it looked like we were going to see the, the Scotland team that we all know and we, we've seen in preparation for this World Cup at times, I thought it was a bit reminiscent of how England played in this first half. On, on the first match day, just the, the pass and some of the, some of the movement um, involving Lisa Evans, Cuthbert, even, even in the middle, I just wanted to add, first half, and you're looking at Leanne Crichton in the middle, that looked like an absolute masterstroke from Shelley. She was in the faces of the, the Argentine players when she needed to be. She looked like that enforcer that was ready to break up attacks and, and put her leg in and, and take a bit of a sore one at times as well, just to sacrifice her position for the team. Probably should have been booked as well in that time. But it looked like everything was going to plan and... All we needed at that point was the goals to 
just put the, the full stop on, on the way the performance went. Nick Docty was back in. I was glad about that because I thought she's had a very good season for Glasgow City. I didn't think she deserved to be seen as a scapegoat for the England game, so I was glad she got another chance. And I thought she was terrific. Um, Claire Emsley was then back in. Um, and like you say, Leanne Crichton, that gave Scotland that link between defensive and the field. It brought Callie Weir and Kim Little into the game. And even though Scotland, I mean, the perfect world still with the start of the striker, but I don't think Scotland really, really missed that at all. No, I don't. I don't think they did. And I think, that, as we've touched upon, I think that bringing in Leanne Crichton was a, a really great move because it almost stopped Caroline Weir dropping so far back. Kim Little wasn't doing it as much in the last two games. But there was times Caroline Weir was sitting almost kind of twenty, thirty yards from her own goal. So by bringing in Leanne, she um, she played that shield. I think you're right about Nick Dockery as well. I think it was good that she got that opportunity to come back in and she had a really good tussle with the, the Argentine winger throughout the game, really, and got a bit feisty at times. And I, yeah, I think I was probably agree with you when I, when I looked at the team at first. Everything that was done made sense. Um, bringing back in Claire Emsley, we all talked about. I think the question about whether where Ian Cuthbert played, I think actually when you look at how the game went, barn the, the end, that worked. She came in, she was everywhere. And yeah, I think, as, as we say, I think it's important that we don't get... As disappointing as the, as the outcome has been for that first 75 minutes, I think it's everything that we expected Scotland could be at this World Cup, and they were. And I think that's something that when the, the dust settles and the, so everything's a little less raw, that's something that we need to focus on and, and, and focus focus with going forward. But I thought it was interesting, one of the points made after the game is about the fullbacks and how we haven't settled on two yet. And maybe that's something we do need to look at as we go through the game, uh, go through the next qualifying campaign for the Euros, because We've played basically different combinations in every game, and I wonder if that does maybe have an unsettling effect, especially when things maybe start to turn against us a little bit. I think that's right, Chris. Uh, just speaking of unsettling, you know, you've got your 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 solid two of B.E. and Corsi in the middle, and you know pretty much before you've seen a team sheet that that's going to be the centre back pairing. Not having that unit as a four or however many you want to play in defence going forward. You know, a lot of teams that you'll look at throughout the foot, throughout football, throughout the game, usually try and get a settled back four, a settled defence. It makes a goalkeeper more comfortable. It makes the defenders more comfortable themselves. So everybody knows who they're playing with. But, you know, looking at the game as a whole, we did sort of start the that unsettled way as well. I mean, we'll probably get to it in a little bit, but Argentina had that header and it just looked like even though for all the, the good possession and the good play we had going forward, Argentina through one attack nearly took the lead and again could have been a completely different game Yeah we actually spoke about it in the, the last podcast and I was saying that Scotland actually don't seem to win, not, certainly not during this World Cup, haven't actually been winning that many headers in their own box, maybe that was why Argentina were so keen to play long balls into the box um, that chance that they hit the bar with um, again, I don't think Dockery actually jumps for it um, and it's a free header at the back post and that comes just before just before Scotland scored as well. Um, and that could have changed the whole game at that point. Yeah, it could have. Uh, yeah, uh, Nicola didn't, didn't really go for it. It almost went over her and she realised too late that somebody was coming out the back post and hit the bar and obviously bounced back out. I think it was right to Hermes who had a shot, but it was well saved by Lee Alexander. Um, but yeah, that could have changed the complexion, but luckily it didn't go in and we did go in and get that first goal. And that first goal, I think, really started then to set the tone for the next... Or so. Yeah, I, I get your point as well. You're obviously talking about the fullbacks. Yeah, I thought Carsey Smith actually struggled. I think she was playing out of position, though. She's obviously used used to playing left back. 
I think she was a weakness at right back. I thought Corsi was outstanding. I thought Scotland maybe a little guilty after the goal. I mean, the goals, uh, from an Argentina point of view, they'll be raging. Kit Cuthbert's gone past four players, then got to the rebound first. Um, but after that, I thought Scotland maybe just a little bit guilty at overplaying it a little bit. Um, could could say that. Um, I think possibly confidence was starting to to rise a little bit. You mean bo- better first half performance than we've seen over all the group stage games. Um, on on the, the touch in there on the on the Kirsty Smith performance, I didn't. Uh, at some points during the game, I didn't think it was that much of a problem. I think looking back, I start to feel a little bit hard for uh, a little bit hard done by for Chloe Arthur because when the Algarve Cup preparations happened, she had a pretty good game against Canada in opener, and she unfortunately gave away a penalty um, to let Christine Sinclair score just at the end. But before that, she'd had quite a solid game. She looked quite strong, and considering that the, the fullbacks have changed so much. He thought you, you possibly might have might have seen her. I've not seen a lot of her. Uh, maybe you guys have seen a bit more of Chloe Arthur than I have, but I th- felt a little bit hard done by for for her there. Just going back to you you're talking about overplaying it, though, Andrew. I thought that you know I, I didn't really think it was that much of a worry at the time because it still looked like we were getting away with it, and it might actually lead to us carving, op- carving open Argentina and getting a couple of those clear chances that we were looking for. Yeah, I thought that the second goal actually, because I, I thought in the first half we maybe just try to do a little bit too much and we were paying the price and we were losing possession. And I actually thought the second goal maybe came about from Shelley Kernels in that, mentioning it at half time, because there was a, a point where Kim Little has a chance to shoot, realises it's not on, actually cuts back and then goes with the easy pass rather than Scotland lose possession, puts it back out wide to Caroline Weir, and then puts the cross in and it's a goal. Um, and I watched a pre-match interview with uh, Jennifer Beatty and it was mentioned her her dad, John Beatty, had scored a try for Scotland at that end and then that's how now scored a goal for our country at the same end, same venue. Yeah, I mean, that'll be a, a, a wonderful moment for her uh, in reflection, I'm sure. It's an interesting point you make about defensive headers because I actually thought defensively, I think you're right, but in the, in the offensive end, I actually thought we were winning quite a lot of the balls and that's what was causing the problems. Um Jen B- the header for Jen Beatty actually as well you're quite right Kim Little takes that time and pushes it back out to Caroline Weir who puts the ball in but it's actually the run that Jennifer Beatty makes in between the two centre backs it gives her that space to basically header it as hard as she can from about 5-6 yards out which makes it really difficult for the keeper to save it even though it's straight at her but yeah I think the overplaying thing was definitely an element of it I think the overplaying thing is something that is not just uh, a sole reserve of the final third I think it's something that Maybe at the back is happening a little bit, and maybe it comes back to the combinations and whether if you don't have something settled like that, should we really be doing it? I think that there was a, a stage in the first half where Claire Emsley played a little back heel. Um, I think it was coming close to half time there. And it just, I mean, we've spoken over the last two games about how difficult it might have been against two higher ranked teams in, in the, the, the FIFA rankings. But, you know, it was like they, they, they looked more relaxed. They knew what was at stake, but they didn't let the pressure, they didn't let the expectation or, you know, the thought of, right, we need to win this to go through. They seemed more relaxed about it. And I thought that was a, a massive, massive positive. Um, I mean, even Cuthbert at that, that first goal, she had four players around her and she just kind of dropped the shoulder, burst right through. They looked not as tense as they have in the last two games, and I thought from there seeing that it was going to mean it was going to be a great night for us. Yeah, it looked like they were enjoying the game at that point, and we're starting to show just what a good team Scotland were. 
And it, at that point, at 2-0, you're thinking, it's just a case of how many goals Scotland could win this by. And actually went and put a bet on Cuthbert to get the next goal. And, of course, just before she scores, she has a chance, 1-1. One one. It's saved by the goalkeeper, but I thought, she never lets me down. She never let me down there. Gets the goal, holds up my bet and slip to the camera. <laughs> and I thought, it's just basically now Scotland is going to run right here. Because you felt, you always felt, I felt before the game, because of the effort both teams have put in, you know, defending really, the first two games, you thought if anyone's trailing with half an hour to go, it's going to be a real effort for them. Argentina now needed, well, four goals, if you like, to, to go through. And they never looked at, it didn't look like they had it in them to do anything. It really didn't. We were so on top of them. We were pushing them back. The ball, as soon as the ball got even remotely close to Erin Cuthbert, it, it became a bit panic stations at the in the centre of the Argentine defence. And yeah, I went you, Andrew. I mean, when that third goal went in, I went, oh, this this feels nice. Like this is an unfamiliar feeling. We're we're really doing the job here, and we're doing it with confidence. Um, I just wonder if that the that third goal. What that signified, especially in terms of the best third placed team and the the, the the machinations behind that, I wonder if the mentally that the thought of scoring that third goal and going, oh, that makes it really really difficult now for somebody to over overcome us in the last two groups. Maybe that had a, a detrimental effect, and that's why that that goal for Argentina came relatively soon afterwards. I, you know, you shouldn't. I know, I know you're saying that, Chris, and it's just a thought. But you know, you'd expect that not to kind of keep onto the pitch as well when you're still on the game, you're still enjoying the occasion, you're winning at a World Cup, you're up three nil. Um, I mean, we were speaking the other day about our time and watching a Scotland team at a World Cup. Never seen a Scotland side win. Um, I haven't anyway in my time. So at that point, I'm thinking, right, is it going to happen? Scott Booth even says something about Scotland's luck changing in commentary. And you just said there, Andrew, it didn't really look like Argentina had anything in them to get back into the game. Even the commentators and on on TV and you know people through Twitter are thinking, Bonini's going off, what's the manager doing? That, that's a, an awful decision when you're chasing the game. You want to stay in a World Cup, but I think the, the Argentina managers made everyone eat their words after that. Yeah, we could just finish the podcast now, pretend we won 3-0 and pretend that we're still in the World Cup, but as the, as they scored their goal, I had to watch the replay to see what actually happened because I was sitting with my phone working out the third, like you were talking there, but the third uh, best. Uh, yeah, doing the goal difference. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking yeah, at Cameroon, yeah. Chile, and then looking at, I'm well, thinking, like, Chile, they might go well, Sweden and beat in Thailand. Would Chile manage to score that many? Cameroon against New Zealand? I'm sitting working that out just as Argentina score. When you look at back in the replay, like you've already said, Chris, you know, BT, it's, it's, it's not a good challenge. It's a way out of position as well. It's an easy goal to concede. But you kind of thought, OK, it's an avoidable goal. But, you know, you can kind of let them off. They've played so well. But second goal is, I mean, it's a terrific strike. Can Curtis Smith, should she have, uh, has it been too harsh to say she should have I, I think this is, yeah, I think that was a, a symptom of maybe the tiredness. Um, aspect because it it did look like after they after they scored it looked like our energy levels dropped and and Curtis Smith obviously kind of won the tackle got the ball away but then it went straight to to the Argentine player who Curtis maybe backed off a little bit it was a really good strike obviously Leah Alexander's a little bit unlucky because she did get get fingertips on it but only to put it onto the bar and then hit her hand and obviously the result from that was for it to go in but I actually thought that the changes the Argentine uh, Argentina manager made that we've just touched upon. 
Um, Ippolito, who came on, the seventeen-year-old, the, the she came on and she added like a completely different dimension to their front line because you obviously had Solly Hames up front who was very much a target target player in terms of getting the ball up to her and then hoping that she can get something off of rebounds, etc. But it almost changed the dynamic the two subs they brought on in the debutant and, and the youngster as well. Yeah, the, the player you mentioned there that came on the seventeen-year-old, she was terrific. Yeah, she she just as she was like the. Not the antithesis is the wrong word, but she's a, she was the counter to Erin Cuthbert at the other end of the park. The difference was, though, I think she came on with fresh legs, and maybe something we'll touch on as we, as we kind of dissect the end of this game. But I just think with 10 minutes to go, we still hadn't brought anybody on to kind of help batten down the hatches a little bit. Um, and I think that because that momentum was switched, it was a result of the fact that they had fresh legs on and they were, they were kind of obviously with the momentum after scoring that, that first goal. Yeah, do you yeah. think Charlie Kerr waited too long to make her subs? I do. Um, I, I was thinking about when that first goal went in. Like, right, you, a lot of this starting eleven have been through two grueling games against England and Japan. They've fought, you know, right to the end because we've been chasing an equaliser after we've scored a late goal right in, into injury time. There's a lot of energy being zapped in the short space of time that these games have went through. And I thought when that first goal went in, that was probably the warning sign there that you'd be looking at your bench to see who can you bring on to try and shore things up. Is there an extra bit of experience you can get on the park? Uh, Just with a a couple of new and fresh instructions to go on and go, right, let's set all this down. We're 15 minutes away at 3-1, or or 60 minutes away. Let's get this back in our control, manage the game, and see it through from there. Um, So I I was quite surprised that that change didn't happen. When the first goal went in, and then you're looking at the subs coming on, even after the second. But I'm sure Shelley Kerr was probably thinking at that point and having a look. She, mean, she knows what she's doing, but it just didn't happen and maybe that's easy for hindsight to, to look at. Right, lads, it's time to uh, rip the band-aid off your the penalty. Um, for me, I think it is a penalty. Um, I didn't think, I've argued that the penalty Scotland conceded to England was never a penalty. I didn't think the one conceded to Japan was a penalty. I did think this was a penalty. But for me, it's never a retake. Now, I know the rules are if a foot leaves the line, it's a retake. The replay shows it's inches. I don't think her leaving the line has any impact on the save because it's a poor penalty anyway. It's coming straight to her. And as an aside, before the game, they, they, they showed who were the VAR officials. And I didn't think think about it at the time, but it's obviously German officials. And I thought, why are German officials actually running the VAR when... If Scotland won that game, they were probably going to be playing Germany. So surely there's a sort of conflict of interest there. But maybe that's a that's another point for another day. But penalty for me, it is a penalty, but it's not a retake. Uh, what do you guys make of it? I um I my initial reaction was when I saw the initial tackle before any of the replays started going the rounds. I thought, oh my god, that's a penalty. What what has happened to you? And maybe. To counter what we've said about bringing fresh legs on, maybe Sophie Howard coming on as fresh legs at that point in the game is the reason why she's lunged for that tackle because she's not been quite at the pace of it. But uh, I watched the replay and I thought she got a touch on the ball. Uh, and the fact that I think that and other people think differently, well, that's that's maybe part of the reason why the VR debate is one that's going to continue to roll on and on and on. But the thing with the goalkeeper on the line, oh, I just don't understand. I, I understand there was a there was a point in time, which hasn't been recent, but there was a point in time where you were having goalkeeper step maybe two or three yards off the line to to get that advantage. That that doesn't happen, and when that did happen, the referee would 
make a retake happen. But this this new approach of the keeper has to have one foot in line and they can't be behind the line either, so they can't get that natural spring to spread the body, which I think we were talking about when we were doing the the round two uh, round up shot. It's it's not possible. And the other thing that happened with that is when the retake happened, Lee Alexander couldn't do anything. You saw the Argentine keep, uh, Argentine player had it again, almost straight down the middle. But Lee Alexander was so concerned with gatekeeping her feet on the line that even though the ball was maybe a couple of, a couple of feet her side, she couldn't move because she was so concerned that a she would be penalised again, and then would, would she get a second yellow card and be sent off? It's almost like the the to use a athletics analogy, the hundred metre rule, where basically if you ever do one false start, that's you out of the race. And I just don't see how that is fair in a in a contest. There's already been a, pe- a penalty given to the attacking team, so why are you then penalising the defending team even further to say that basically you can't move? And as long as the, the, the attacker hits a decent penalty, then they're going to score pretty much all the time now. Yeah, I'm I'm going to do my best not to rant here because there's a couple of things I'm going to bring up. Um, f- firstly, to before we even look at the penalty. I don't know if either you noticed, I think Rachel Corsi said it in her post-match interview, we're making, I don't know if it's a free kick or a corner, but we're making two subs, Sophie Howard and Fiona Brown are coming on. Sophie Howard comes on first, gets into a position, so on, so on. But it looked like, to me, I haven't had time to watch it back again, but Fiona Brown's still barely on the pitch before the referee's blown the whistle to allow the set piece to be taken, which means we're a little bit out of shape, I don't, I don't know who then Fiona Brown's meant to be picking up, and that's the sort of first first warning sign or the, the first sort of incident at the time. And you see Sophie Howard there, you're just thinking, don't dive in. But then, is the shot going to get away? You've got to make that split second decision as as the defender. And that Chris is saying, maybe we're not being up to pace with the game and being fresh legs. How I don't know how the mind is at that point, but she goes diving in. There's one. That one angle from the replay from the back where it looks like she might have got a stud to the ball, but then the other two, and you could even see the the referee looking at it on the video monitor that they have to slow it down in a couple angles, and it's like being played in super slow motion just to see if the ball moves. Is there any contact with the boot to the ball? So there's so many little incidents within one big situation to look at, and it just. Made the game a shambles, really. Completely, complete shambles towards the end. Yeah, the referee just totally lost the plot towards the end. But also, that, that whole waiting, I mean, people say it was great, you know, certainly if you're neutral, you're watching that, you're watching the replay after replay. If you're sitting at home, if you're sitting in the stadium, I actually text, um, your friend as well, Stuart, actually, uh, Jeremy Clayman, to ask, he lives in Paris, and I was asking if he was at the game. Uh, it wasn't, but I, I would have been interested to know if anyone who was at the game, what, what were they doing for that, what was it, nearly 10 minutes that was rumbling on for, or 5 minutes or whatever it took? Because when you're in the stadium, you must have no idea what they're even checking. Just because I've been in there when that's happened, they tend to, what they do is they put what they're looking at up on the screen, and on some occasions they show it, and other occasions they don't, and I wondered if they were showing it in the stadium, purely on the basis that I heard a couple of noises on a couple of the replays, but I... As I said, it hasn't been hard and fast whenever I've noticed that in the, in the stadium so far. So, yeah, I'm, I'm like you, Andrew. I'd be interested to see exactly what what was and wasn't shared in there. But you then come, even after the penalty scored, which, you know, three each, devastated. But you think, well, there's a good chunk of time to come. And then we have this weird climax of the game where the referee... It's almost like the referee's too scared to blow the final whistle because she's aware that she has lost control of the situation. 
one thing is that before the games that this referee's managed and it happened tonight again as well, the commentators and the people in the studio are saying, oh, you can't say that this referee hasn't played the game because she's an ex-player. He's got to get experience of playing and... I don't know how do you manage a situation like that with VAR. She's got someone speaking in her ear all the time. She's got to manage what's happening on the pitch. You know, I'm, I'm trying to look at all different angles here, but the way that it's set up for fans, for broadcasters, for referees, for players, it's just it's just not right. And again, you're trialing at a World Cup at a big stage, and it's really unfortunate. I feel that where the women's game is just now, what we're doing to try and promote it, to try and push it. It just feels like it's turning into this old VAR debate again. And it's now even going to turn into a, a penalty debate because you've already had the penalties that we spoke about when we were reviewing the match day, Chris. So Renard on Monday night against Nigeria hits the post with a penalty. But when play continues, it's looked at, VAR picks up on something, referee checks them on, our penalties retaken. It happened with Schneider, I get for uh, Sydney Schneider in goals against Italy for Jamaica on Friday. Saves a second penalty in a second consecutive game, but wait a minute, Van intervenes again, retake. The advantage is going to the attacker, but it feels like the attacker's already got the advantage. You've got, you know, top class players that are, are getting to strike the ball from 12 yards and, and, and have an opportunity to score. There was one again, match day one. Sam Kerr takes a penalty for Australia. It's saved by the Italian goalkeeper. But because the rebound falls to Sam Kerr and the ball goes in the net, it doesn't get looked at when play stops because it's resulted in a goal. So it just feels a little bit like goalkeepers have been trained or have been training for so long on saving penalties that you naturally are going to try and give yourself a spring depending on your height to reach the ball to, to, to have every chance to save it. It just feels like that side of it's taking something away from the game. It's I said the other day, it's killing emotion. It's raising emotions through the roof now. Here's what people were saying on Twitter. So a few Scottish players here. So Hibbs Kirsten Riley said, No words for that game. VAR has ruined it. Rangers, Caitlin O'Hara, I have no words. <clears throat> the goalkeeper has to dive forward. Question mark. Why is the pen taker allowed a run or stutter if the goalkeeper can't have momentum? Jamie Lee Napier, I'm gutted for the girls. Celtic's Cody Hay. Scotland have deserved so much more from this tournament. VAR ruining football. So proud of, proud of our national team. Erin Cuthbert, you are amazing. Um, Amy Bullock of Hamilton. Uh, is she still Hamilton? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I am speechless. <laughs> Can't believe what's just happened. That referee, the new rules of VAR equals shambles. And Glasgow City's Claire Shine. VAR took six minutes to decide if it was a penalty, five minutes for the penalty and retake to take place, but no extra time. Ow. Honestly, mind blown. Good luck. Uh, Jermaine Janis actually posted saying, the Scotland game sounds nuts. It's enough of an advantage to have the penalty in the first place. A retake of a pen because the keeper is a couple of inches, yards off the line. It's another embarrassing rule change. And Callum Patterson basically saying what you were saying earlier on, Stuart, um, explanation on why Fiona Brown is literally coming on the pitch by a matter of an inch as a sub when ref let Argentina free kick come in, by the way. Uh, there was one more which I didn't really agree with, and I'm going to guess you guys will probably think the same. Bradley Johnson says, he's tweeted the anyone's game, Twitter, and said, the end for care, question mark, surely not. No, I won't be. Um, I, th- I think that's a, a question just to, to make the de- uh, for the debates purposes. I think it definitely won't be. I think she came, she came into this game with 
some question marks over our tactics. Obviously, we had the hope so verbal assault and, and what she'd achieved, and and there's a couple of things that maybe we thought we were questioning. But I thought she got it right at the start, and she got it right up until Argentina scored the goal. And then, yeah, maybe maybe there's a couple of things that I think we've we've all said we maybe we'd like to see done maybe just a little bit differently. But at the end of the day, she's got us here. We've talked on more than one occasion about the, the comeback victories that she's had to get us here. And yes, I, I don't think she'll be going anywhere, and she shouldn't be either. In defence of Bradley Johnson, though, I think, like you say, like everything you said there is correct. But end of the day, Scotland was three 0 up with about twenty minutes to go. She, she has to answer questions and how she's. I mean, the penalty in a way is kind of almost papered over that. People are um, fixating on that, but Scotland have still blown a three goal lead. Does does she have to answer? She answered questions about the game, uh, about this one-off ninety minutes, but she doesn't have questions to answer for me for the qualification campaign. Just the, the way some of the friendlies are. It wasn't so long ago that everyone had jumped on the bandwagon because Scotland had beaten Brazil and the result itself looked fantastic, and everybody's coming into a World Cup full of hope. And a lot of people, I think, forgot that England are third ranked, Japan are seventh ranked. And the hype got behind everyone. Scotland's going to a World Cup again. As a football fan base, as a country, we've waited so long to see a national team at a tournament. I think expectations and sort of being realistic has to come into it as well. And it's the first time at a major tournament that Japan and England, full of experience at this kind of level, whereas it's a, it's a one-off sort of first time for Scotland. It's a debut. So players, Shelley, will all take experience, will all take learnings from it. And... If it was 3-2 and that penalty disaster doesn't happen at the end, there'd be no questions because we still had the three points and everything would have been looking a lot better and brighter. Uh, a good point here from Fiona McIntyre, who's the executive officer at Scotch Women's Football. She says, can't wait for the first penalty shootout of this World Cup. It'll be like watching the election results coming in. Best getting up in the morning to see who's won as every penalty will go to VAR based on what I've seen tonight. And that's true. Like When there's a penalty shootout, how you're going to have to go to VAR after every penalty now to see if it's, they've jumped off the line or not. I think the other thing with it as well is, and Fiona spot on, I think that's a really fair point to make. I think the other thing for me with this, this rule is it's not one that's easily implementable once you take VAR out of the equation. And I think, I know we're talking about VAR in a World Cup context and because it's obviously affected Scotland tonight, but if you think about the game going forward, both for for women and men, how, how, does, how do grassroots deal with that? So what, can you imagine the, the conversations that are going to have to happen between players and coaches and, and referees around this, this, kind of, this kind of law where you're basically saying you can't move off the line, but we all know that it's, it's a near impossibility to do that without giving up the chance to save the penalty. So I, I just think it's been a very well-conceived rule in general. Um, and I think it's more the rule as opposed to VAR being the arbitrator of it. It's, it's the rule itself that's causing the problem at the moment. We've still got another 16 or so games to go. Anything can happen. And, you know, I would not be surprised after something as high profile as this World Cup for things to be reviewed because wait till you get domestic seasons happening at the the higher level throughout Europe and something like this comes into play and countries that you've got VAR already and I, I don't know if this may be fair, but you've got a lot of teams in domestic football that have a lot riding on these kind of things. You've got a lot of power in boardrooms and at teams all over the world. 
this is it's not the end of this. There's there's so much more to come on on this rule. I think that, that there's there's a lot more to come, in my opinion. Just uh, so I'm just still going through Twitter here. Um, Veed, I don't even know how to read of this. Uh, Reed Stoffer, that's his uh, Twitter name. He's actually posted a photo of the substitution, and Lisa Evans is still on the pitch when the free kick is taken. So that should have been a retake. I mean, Scotland are out. The World Cup still goes on. Stuart, you're going to the World Cup. I don't know what kind of idiot goes to the World Cup once Scotland have already been knocked out, but <laughs> <laughs> um, try and enjoy it. Can you get? Can you still cancel your flights? Or? I'm not sure. I'll have to check the insurance. And nah, I mean, it would be great to go over and, and, and experience the atmosphere and, and see what I've been missing. Just obviously being a little bit late to the party, and it feels like I'm coming into the party when a lot of people are leaving. Um, so it won't be the first time that's happened. But um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens when I'm over there. I'm, I'm one thing I'll be looking forward to. Um, whichever game I might catch is the the VAR experience. How is it when you're sitting in the crowd that Chris was saying we've you know, know a couple of people there tonight and that that'll be really interesting to try and, and learn a bit more about what goes on at the actual at the actual match when you're in the stadium. But, you know, Scotland are are, are coming home but You've got to think this is going to be spoken about a lot more. There's a lot more to look into. There'll be a lot to talk about over the next couple of days as well. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of high-profile people in the media and ex-players that will be, be having a say on things as well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing the debate continue because it's one, I think, the way we're all feeling just now. We don't want to see it just quietly exit and get swept under the carpet. We'd like to see more happen from this. I'm just getting texts here from um, about the game. Mate here, Patrick Whelan has just said, just got off a gig, beyond angry, what the fuck happened? Um, final word I think has to go, Hamilton, who have just tweeted, uh, what a journey. You gave everything you could give and you gave thousands of us something some of us have never experienced. Scotland in a World Cup, here's to next time. Let's finish on a positive note, we're going to win the European Championships in two years. Oh, absolutely, no doubt. I, th- I think I think that is something that we we do need to. Well, I, I think I said it earlier on is there is lots of positives to take from this. One of them is that Scotland are and again it's a it's another one of these awards that you probably don't want. But Scotland are the only team to be a debutant at a World Cup to score in every game that they've participated in. So it's not like we've come to this World Cup and we have been Thailand to, to use a comparison. We've come and we have more than competed. We competed against better teams than us, and we had for 75 minutes dominated a team that maybe we should have been dominating and then we've just had a very Scot- Scottish 15 minutes I think that's probably the only thing you can really say about that, that now at the moment We're going to win the Under-19 Championships this summer That's maybe. right that is yeah, of course, and that's in Scotland so you know you can go and watch that I'm supporting the host nation for winning the Women's World Cup in France I'm supporting the home nation for the Under-19 Championships this summer as well That's um you made a good point there, though. The, the four host station, stations, four host stadiums, Firhill, St. Moon Park, McDevitt Park, and Fourth Bank. And it all starts Tuesday, 16th of July, Scotland, France, in the first game at St. Moon Park. They have Norway in their second game, and Holland in their third game. And, yeah, I mean, Scotland have got a right talented team. Is I mean, it's under 19s. But it's not really like men's football where under 19s are basically all youth players. This Scotland team is basically all first team players. So this is actually a right good team Scotland have got. Yeah, it is. And I think the comparison, because I've, I've been saying this to a couple of um, 
couple of my mates about the the tournament, and um, it's worth noting I think Scotland are playing all their games either at St Mirren or, or Far Hill. But actually, this this whole Scotland squad are playing first team football, and I think almost all of them are playing this uh, first team football in Scotland. So it's definitely an opportunity to continue the momentum uh, that the World Cup has built. Obviously, the momentum could be going even further if we got through, but there has been momentum here, and it's a good opportunity to to build on that with having a tournament on our doorstep and a tournament where we've got a chance of being competitive. It's a really tough tough one. Obviously, there's only eight teams in it, so the, the very best. But we have regular first-team players, as you see, Andrew, so I'd absolutely encourage people to go and give that a watch. I think it's only £2 to get in as well if you want to go. So, bargain. I think from what we see in the, the SWPL, just the way things have, have been this season alone and with the, the way, how well the national team have been doing with making the World Cup, it just feels like things have been growing and growing. There's so many girls in there with potential that will be in the under-19 squad that we, we see when we, we're watching games um, in the domestic league week in, week out. So it'll be great to see them on a an international stage and a top competition coming up against some other top players that are, are visiting Scotland. So really looking forward to that now. Okay, well that's next month. Sadly, Scotland are out of the World Cup. However, the World Cup still continues. Chris and Stuart, I'm sure you'll be both be back with another round up soon. Yeah, so I know what to talk about. I know you're away to France, Stuart. So I don't know when that next episode will be out, but enjoy it. Um, and we'll also remember the Women's Champions League draw is on Friday. Hibs are involved in the group stage. And we'll have a reaction from that as well. Until the next podcast then, thanks to Chris. Thanks very much, Andrew. And onwards to the Euros. Thanks to Stuart. Thank you very much. Good night. And thanks to you for listening. And thank you for Scotland for giving us a World Cup. Well, a World Cup to follow. Until next time, good night. You are listening to the Anyone's Game podcast. For advertising inquiries, email agpodcast at yahoo.com.